the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Right now. Portions of the following program may be pre recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
one day in the life of Jesus. He's encamped with his disciples along the Sea of Galilee. There is a crowd there. More than 4,000 men and an equal number of women and perhaps even children. Easily a crowd of 10,000 people. It's an isolated area. But people had not come expecting to stay for four days. People were healed and restored. They'd never heard a man speak as Jesus spoke. So this huge crowd of people, Jesus is very concerned about. In Mark, the eighth chapter, he says, I have compassion for these people. They've already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them away hungry, they will collapse on the way because some of them have come a long distance. So he's turned to his disciples in their camp before they go out for the morning. And he's saying, what am I to do? The disciples, they answer, where in this remote place are people going to find enough food to eat? Jesus turns to them and he says, how many loaves do you have? Seven, they replied. <laughs> and I have to stop and ask, seven loaves of bread and there are 12 disciples plus Jesus. And now they have, in addition to that, almost 10,000 people. Where are they going to supply this great need that's before them? I like that Jesus opens this day by asking his disciples, where do, I, where do we find bread for all of these people? Where do we find bread for us? This is a serious situation. Jesus steps forward. The crowds have already formed. They're waiting. They're standing. The first thing Jesus does is have the crowd sit down. Sit down in small groups. Maybe a hundred to a group or even 50. Then he took the seven loaves of bread and he took a small number of fish and he began to break them apart and then give them to the disciples saying to them, now go share this with the people. And they saw the most incredible miracle that can move a man's heart. They saw the few small fish multiply into many. They saw the bread, seven loaves, multiply into many loaves. And people began to eat with gratitude. Everyone was talking about, how did he do it? What happened? We were hungry. And now the people are quietly sitting on the ground in the grass, 
and they're eating the fish and they're eating the broken portions of the bread. And then as the meal was wrapping up, the disciples go out with their baskets and they pick up seven basketfuls of broken pieces of loaves of bread that were left over. Jesus did not just feed their hunger. He supplied more than enough. In the eighth chapter of the book of Mark, it says he finally sent them all away. They'd been with him four days. They needed to go home and share what Jesus had done and spread the word, the Messiah is among us. Jesus got into the boat with his disciples and said, let's, let's leave too. So they went to an area close by. They disembarked. There was a town there. And Pharisees immediately began to come and question Jesus. They were testing him, asking him for a sign from heaven. He sighed deeply. This was just the beginning of his day. He sighed deeply and asked, why does this generation ask for a miraculous sign? I mean, he just fed almost 10,000 people. What do you want for a sign? I tell you the truth, no sign will be given to you. And then he left them. He got back in the boat. And they went over to Bethesda. Now, this is just the beginning of the day. Some people he has fed an awesome meal, while other people have disappointed him by their questions. And he doesn't, he doesn't satisfy them. He says to his disciples, come, let's leave. It always makes my heart cringe when people say things to Jesus that make him leave. The last thing I want Jesus to do is to leave me or to leave us. But they're leaving They're not going to answer. Jesus is not going to dialogue. He just says there's no hope here. Has Jesus walked away from you? What's your sense? Is Jesus willing to spend time with you or has he walked away from you? Are you alone without Jesus and without the presence of the Holy Spirit? because you press him with nonsense questions. You press him with questions that make you look like a fool, an unbelieving fool. And so Jesus walks away. Well, this is still fairly early in this one day 
of Jesus' life. The disciples had forgotten to put a basket full of the bread in the boat. They had only one loaf of bread with them. Jesus said, Be careful. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. Well, they begin a personal discussion in the boat. They didn't think Jesus could hear them back where he was resting. And they discussed with one another and said, is it because we have no bread? Aware of their discussion, Jesus calls out a question. Why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see? Do you have ears but fail to hear? Don't you remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000? How many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up the leftover bread? Twelve, they asked. They replied. And then I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000. How many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Seven. Do you still not understand? You still not understand. They're worried about having bread. What are we going to do for dinner tonight? We have no bread with us. What? Jesus just took a few loaves and multiplied them to feed probably close to 10,000 people. But yet they're worried about whether they can make it, whether they can survive, whether they're going to be hungry tonight. Don't they understand? They have with them the Messiah, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. They have Jesus who supplies all of their needs. There's no need to worry about what you're going to eat tonight. Jesus is there. Unless you've angered him by your unbelief and he's walked away. How do you stand with Jesus? Do you trust him to take care of your food and your shelter, your money? What is it that concerns you today? If you were with Jesus on this one day, would you be concerned about something? Well, I need my leg healed. (laughs) Is he able to heal my leg? Of course he is. He's just been with almost 10,000 people for four days, and I'm sure not one sick person left, not one lame person left. Not one blind person left that huge gathering. He healed everybody. I want just five minutes with Jesus today. Five minutes to praise him and worship him and thank him for what he's doing. And I know he will heal my leg. 
Are you a believer? Watch what Jesus now does on this one day to teach his disciples. They ask, what's he going to do? Well, they came to Bethesda and some people brought a blind man and they begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and he led him by the hand outside the village. The first step is to trust Jesus wherever he wants to take you. Let him lead you. He got outside the village and he spit on the man's eyes. Now, this was a common practice in that day. Jesus didn't need to do it. It was done to help them believe that he could do it. He put his hands on the man and asked, Do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. A perfect description of his disciples' spiritual condition. As he stands there outside of Bethesda, he touches this man, leads him out, puts spittle in his eyes, they say, oh, that's going to do it. He'll be healed. No, no healing. He can see a little bit now, but he's still blind. The disciples can see a little bit, but they're still blind. They need Jesus to touch their eyes. They need Jesus to give them full understanding because on this day, Jesus has some very important things to tell the disciples and he doesn't want them dull of spirit. He doesn't want them dullards, dummies. He wants them to wake up to what's happening. Do you see anything? I see people, they look like trees walking around. They need a second touch. The disciples need a second touch of God's mercy so they can see and understand what's going on here. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. And then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored. He saw everything clearly. And Jesus sent him home saying, don't go back into the village. Just go home. So Jesus and his disciples were led by the Spirit of God to Caesarea Philippi. To remember that great open cave in Caesarea Philippi. I've seen it. I've stood there on that solid rock. He said to them, who do people say that I am? Well, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. And others, one of the great prophets. 
But what about you? Who do you say I am? He asks you that question today. Who do you say Jesus is? Who is Jesus? Peter speaks up and he says, you are the Christ. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about it. It's important on this one day that Jesus be able to begin to tell his disciples what's going to happen in the future. His disciples are not happy about what he's saying. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law, that he must be killed, and after three days he will rise again. He spoke plainly about this. Well, Peter didn't like what he was saying and what he was hearing. So he called him aside and he begins to rebuke Jesus, the son of God. He's just said he's the Messiah, he's God. And Peter is rebuking God? Such arrogance in Peter's heart. Jesus turned. He looked at his disciples And then he looked back at Peter, and in front of his disciples, he rebuked him. Get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Wow. They wanted Jesus to do what they wanted. Jesus, just be a healer. We'll enjoy traveling the country with you. You can heal all the sick. You can preach and teach. That's all you need to do, Jesus. And then at the right moment, you can bring in the new government. And we can be key members of that new government. We'll do that with you. You can rebuke the Roman soldiers. You can rebuke the Pharisees. And we'll be somebody then. Can we sit on your right, your left hand? Can we be in the new government? The Messiah government? Oh, they had their plans. They knew what they wanted. And Jesus on this one day was not pleasing them. It makes me stop and ask a question of you. Does Jesus please you? Does Jesus please you? I've talked with people and I've done some things that Cause them great concern. And I've asked them, do you have anything in your heart that belongs to the devil? 
Nobody answered. I asked the congregation, is there anything in your heart that you know clearly displeases Jesus? They didn't answer. See, we want Jesus to please us. As long as he's doing what we expect him to do, teach, heal the sick, be friendly, walk with us. But in the end, what we're really looking for is a new kingdom that's shaped as we want it to be shaped. And so I, please, I stop and ask you the question. Is Jesus pleased with you? Is Jesus pleased with you? Do you have things hanging on your walls? Do you have things in your bookcase, CDs, videos, things that you know would not please Jesus? Are you demanding that Jesus please you and do what you ask him to do? But have you done what Jesus has asked you to do, which is get clean? Get rid of those things that you know he does not approve of. If Jesus came into your studio or your office, if he came into your living room or your bedroom, would he find magazines? Would he find videos? Would he find would he find things that would cause him to say, get this out of here? This is pleasing to demons. This is not pleasing to me. And would you be happy with Jesus? <clears throat> would you be pleased with Jesus? If he did this, would you be happy? Or would you be angry? Or would you say, Jesus is not here, so I can do whatever I want to do. He doesn't see it. I'm hidden from the eyes of Jesus. No, you're not. Do you need a second touch from Jesus so that you can see things clearly that he wants you to see clearly? Some of you have made such excuses for not coming and worshiping with the prayer chapel. Or wherever he's sending you. It doesn't matter to me where that is. But you make excuses for not going. Is Jesus pleased with you today? That's a very simple question. It's a yes or no question. Well, Pastor, things are more complicated than that. No, they're not. Have you put yourself first and the lust of your heart first? Or is Jesus first in your life? How do you stand with him?
Are you clean before God? Were you in a fornicating bed last night? Were you watching things that were unclean last night? If you join Jesus for this first one day of his ministry life, would he have been pleased with you? What would he have said to you? He said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. At this point in this one day, his, his day is well along toward its conclusion. He's very concerned about his disciples because he's seen that they still do not understand. They're still blind by their own prejudice, by their own hearts of lust. Now, he's not going to dismiss them like he did the scribes and the Pharisees. He knows, however, their true spiritual condition. So now... He's going to call the whole crowd to him. And he's going to say some things to them that most preachers would not dream of saying to their congregations. Listen. He called the crowd to him along with his disciples. And he said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself Take up his cross and follow me. Well, where is Jesus headed? They all know he's headed to Jerusalem. And he's headed to Jerusalem for the purpose of being crucified and dying as a sacrifice for his people. To shed his blood for his people. Now, they hope he's not going to do this. They hope... He's going to institute a new kingdom. He calls the whole crowd. And he says, look, you want to follow me? Then deny yourself. What do you mean deny yourself? You won't be first anymore. Jesus Christ will be first. What you desire will not be first anymore. What you will desire is to stay with Jesus and to go with him to the cross and die with him. Well, I'm guessing he probably lost 90% of his congregation right there. <laughs> Who's interested in taking a cross and being crucified? 
Listen, whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul, that is, his personality? Or what can a man give in exchange for his personality, his soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, he knows he's speaking to people who are committing adultery, who are fornicating, who are loving the world. He knows he's speaking to people who are filled with self-love. I listened my wife told me about a a woman who had said to her, I love my kids, my grandkids so much. They're first in my life. Adulterous and sinful generation. I know some of you listening today Worship your children or your wife or your husband. You worship the people who are close to you. I've listened to some people talk. They talk a mile a minute. They talk about their kids. They talk about their grandkids. They talk about all the things that mean something to them. But in that dialogue, no, it's not a dialogue. It's a monologue. They never talk about Jesus. They talk about people and things in this world. And they're busy, busy, busy. They've always got more than enough to do. And it it absorbs them. It takes their days. It takes their time. But really, they're busy with nothing, nothing of importance. This piece of gossip and that piece of gossip. This person is going here and doing that. Foolishness. Foolishness. Jesus is saying, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with his holy angels. What's he saying? You really have only one hope. And by the way, this is how he closes out his day. He closes out this day by saying, I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to die. I'm going to be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law. I'm going to lay in a grave for three days. At the end of those three days, I'm going to rise again into life. If you want to follow me, you're going to have to follow me into that grave. You're going to have to allow me 
to begin to take over every part of your heart and your life. And you're going to have to give up all of those things of the world, the flesh and the devil. You're going to even have to give up your family. You're going to have to give up your wife and your children. And Jesus is going to have to be placed first ahead of everyone. His concerns have to become your concerns. His ministry has to become your ministry. Look, if you don't do this, you will not go to heaven. It frightens me when I look at what Christian people do Monday through Monday through Friday, and then Saturday is social day, cleaning day, filling our desires with pleasure. And then Sunday morning, they might show up for a little 15 or 20 minute sermon. Do you understand? You can't go to heaven living like this. It's the world, the flesh, and the devil. And if that's where your heart is, you won't go to heaven. This is what he's just told his disciples, and he's telling the whole crowd this. He's not recruiting people who want a life of pleasure and and who want to see the magic work. He's not interested in, in performing signs and wonders. Remember, he walked away from a whole group of very influential scribes and Pharisees. He didn't want anything to do with them. You think he won't walk away from you? He's already walked away from almost the entire American church. I heard a foolish young man claiming to be a prophet saying that what God wants you to know is that he is not considering his church in America a failure then what could he possibly consider it? A success? I don't think so. Have we demonstrated the power of the gospel to this nation? No, we haven't. We've demonstrated our ability to build great buildings and and recruit and run a business. The church is not a business. The church today in America is ashamed of Jesus and they're ashamed of his words. And they become an adulterous and sinful generation. And the son of man is going to be ashamed of the American church when he comes in his father's glory with the holy angels. The lampstand has been removed from their wicked ways I'm concerned today. I'm concerned for you. How serious are you? How serious are you about Jesus? And what have you decided about him? Have you decided it's much too hard to follow this Jesus of Scripture? Versus the Jesus of the common cotton candy culture. 
my brother and my sister. We've got to make decisions about Jesus and what we're going to do with him. I'm concerned about you. You've listened to this message, I'm sure, many times. And I'm very grateful that you've been willing to listen. But then I have to say, will you obey what you've heard? Will you seek Jesus in his kingdom first and foremost in your life? Or do you add Jesus to your already full life? What are you going to do with Jesus? Jesus spent a whole day. This was just one day. And he said some rather startling things during this day. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. What are you watching out for? You're watching out for hypocrisy. That's the yeast he's speaking of. It it grows in our hearts. It grows in our churches. It, It grows in our home where we do things and say things that are not in line with Jesus Christ, but they're in line with our desires for Jesus. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of of men. Get behind me, Satan. What would happen in your life if you simply made a clean, clear decision? You are going to do everything in your power to be a Jesus person and to follow him. You're going to lay aside everything that does not lead to the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Oh, I couldn't quit my job. Right. But in your job, you're to be a missionary and you're to have fruit. I know people. They've worked for years in their job, but they've never found one soul who will follow Jesus. What happened? Well, I didn't want to lose my job. Well, what about the loaves and the fishes? Do you think Jesus can't give you a job where you can minister in his name? Come on. What are you doing? Are you ashamed of Jesus? I can hear you saying, oh, oh, no, but, uh, uh, really? Are you ashamed of Jesus? Come on, fess up, straight up. I have one brother. He talks to everybody about Jesus, and I praise God for his witness. And he has much fruit in his life because of it. He talks to everybody about Jesus. Jesus is the most important person in his life. He is solely sold out. He is given to Jesus. Thank you, Mike. I'm just very concerned this morning. I need five minutes of Jesus' time today. And I'm waiting for him to come. 
He told me, wait upon the Lord. Okay. I'm waiting for him because he's coming. And when he comes, he's going to heal me. And I'll be restored from the cripple that I am now. I love Jesus. There's nothing in my heart that desires anything other than Jesus Christ and him crucified. He has been kind beyond words to me. The first words out of my mouth as I awaken in the morning. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We praise your holy name. Come and fill our house. Let our house be filled with your presence and your peace and your love. So how is it for you today? Will you make a decision to do something? Let's pray. Lord, I pray for each person who listens to this broadcast today. Lord, many of them who will listen are in the valley of decision. They have a busy life. They're concerned about their money. They're concerned about their health. They're concerned about all the things that pagans are concerned about. But they're not concerned about you, Jesus. Lord, I pray today a change will occur in the hearts and lives of every person who will listen to this broadcast. I pray especially, Lord, I pray especially for the pastors who are trapped. They want to preach a straight, honest word, but they're afraid. They know that people could walk away and take their purses with them. Lord, I pray today for the pastors who are heart sick. You're calling. You're convicting, but they don't know how to get to you. Jesus, would you speak with them? Would you call these pastors after yourself? Not after popularity, not after success. Not after being somebody. But Lord, humble their hearts. Lord, if there's even one pastor listening to this broadcast, would you grant that pastor entrance to you to speak for five minutes with you, Jesus, where everything can change? Even if they hear from you, you don't have in mind the things of God. You have in mind the things of man. Lord, whatever you have to say to them, would you say to them? And would you call them out of this slumbering, wicked church of Laodicea? And Lord, today, There are people who are in agony of sickness, brokenness in their bodies. And they've grown tired and cynical. And they don't think you answer prayers. I'm asking Jesus, would you reach out and touch them right now with your finger, with your heart? And would you show them that you do answer prayer? 
Would you relieve the pain and anguish of their hearts? Lord, it's just a touch they need. And they will be healed. And let them know it was you who touched them. For I have no power. The power is all in you, Jesus, and in your holy name. Jesus of Nazareth. I speak that name over these precious brothers and sisters who are heart sick, who are struggling with their health, who are struggling with their sin, who are struggling with their wicked ways. But they want you, Jesus. I pray, O Lord, that you will meet them today. that you will grant them that five-minute audience where they could know your great love for them, your compassion, and that as you rebuke the sin in their hearts, they would respond with a wonderful, yes, help me to bend. Help me to to fall down and worship you, Jesus. Lord, have your way today over every person who will have the courage to listen to a broadcast of this kind. For Lord, you are merciful and kind. You are considerate. You are gentle. Call them to yourself. Call them into your Dear wonderful love. Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. Jesus is real. He is there for you. And if you will cry out to him, he will answer. Oh, pastor, I've, I've cried out to you. Well, add to that, Jesus, I'll make any changes you ask me to make. I'll do whatever you ask me to do. I will be your disciple, and I will cut off the world, the flesh, and the devil, and I will belong to you. Wash me now by your blood, Make me clean before you, Jesus. And he will do it. Read the scriptures. Read the book of Mark. Cry out to him. You'll find his promises. You'll find his mercy and compassion. Do it now. Don't wait. Jesus loves you. This has been Pilgrim's Progress. I'd love to hear from you. You can write to me at National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346. 
Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That again is the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia. Tom, thank you. I just got your letter last night. Thank you. I heard from others of you. I appreciate it so much. I can't carry this ministry. Jesus has to carry it. And I thank you for letting him use you to help carry it. Now, I also invite you to go to our webpage. Brother Ed Pugh does an awesome job. Go to the webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. NationalPrayerChapel.com. You can give online. After this broadcast goes off the air, I'll go back and open and find out if anyone made that decision to sacrifice for this broadcast. Uh, Dirk, brother, you own my heart. Thank you. Well, that's all the time we have for today. I hope this one day in the life of Jesus has opened your eyes. And I pray you'll listen to it again if you need to. And know that Jesus wants time with you. I'll talk to you soon. God bless you. I love you. Bye. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.